We're in the middle of a sermon series on Jesus' teaching, and we've looked at a lot of great lessons over these months, and I hope we've gained some, uh, some much insight uh, for our faith and our life. And we're trying to keep the momentum going through this Christmas season by looking at uh, lessons Jesus taught about himself. So may the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. So I've been thinking about bringing the manger out and just having it be here so that I could say, hey, and so we come to the manger and we're looking in. But you can picture it there, right? You can picture it. You've been to enough Christmas Eves to picture the manger right here. And on these Sundays, we're picturing ourselves coming here. And, and I'm thinking that we're coming here not out of the blue, but we're coming here because we've gone through years and maybe decades of hearing beautiful music like we just heard in our opening hymn and in this anthem. And all those memories of, uh, all those cherished memories of Christmases are resounding in our heads. They're in our hearts. We're, we're aching a bit Maybe because our, uh, our, our life situation is a little different than it's been in years past. Maybe some loved ones are no longer with us or near to us. Uh, maybe circumstances are, are a bit different one way or another from the past. And we come, we come to this manger and we, we realize that amid all the nice crush scenes. We're coming to this manger because in the manger is something more than a baby. And we spend the rest of the 12 months talking about that more than a baby. But I was thinking maybe it would be good for us to look into the manger and recognize that that baby who abides there in those sentimental, romantic Christmas scenes is, for us, the bread of life, the true vine, the good shepherd. And maybe it's helpful to connect the whole rest of the year to the sentimental emotion of the holiday. So that's what we're up to. And I hope it touches you. Let's dig in and ponder what Jesus says about himself that we're picking up today. Because indeed, the word was made flesh and it dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. The glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and full of truth. O come, let us adore him. Our hope our peace, our joy, our love. 
indeed our faith. So before Grandpa Dilge's acres around the old Dilge homestead was turned into a playground for his grandchildren, he used to like to get out in it and farm. Now, he wasn't a farmer. He was an upholsterer. But I guess um, there was something in his spirit or having lived through the Depression or whatever made it clear to him that all this land should be used for something like corn or beans or squash, and, and that is what he did. He went out there and he hoed and he weeded and he made what was to be our infield or our basketball court or the last 20 yards of a football field. He made that before it became those things into a great home garden. And I can remember coming out in the morning on a weekend and, and sitting on our back porch. Remember back porches, those of you who were raised somewhere other than California? <laughs> I would sit on that back porch and I would gaze out over into Grandpa's place because we lived right next to him. Uh, I can remember him out there amid the rows, hoeing with his hat on. Well, once married and in a parsonage, I knew that a garden was needed. And it had to be worked somehow into our backyards. And some of our backyards were only a postage stamp. And so it was kind of a challenge. And some of our backyards were a little bit better little more space so I could try to plant tomatoes and squash. And I tried my best. I really did try my best. I invoked the memories of Grandpa Dilge, and I invoked the memories of my father. Um, although one of those memories was him putting a spade, uh, a forked, what are those things called? A fork. a fork through my foot. <laughs> but it missed my toes. It went between the big toe and the first toe. But for a while, my foot was firmly implanted to the ground, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we both yelled, and then ran into uh, mom. <laughs> so some of my memories are not all that pleasant. Some of them are, are uh, not as pleasant in the gardening aspect as others. But I try to invoke their memories, and I went to work, and I got the books, and I got the tools, and I got dirty. In Ventura, I convinced myself that I really had become a good gardener. I had the space, I had the tools, and the produce was taking off. My zucchini, they looked like baseball bats. Literally, they looked like baseball bats. And the pumpkins were big and lush. Yet it turned out, once the ground lost all its nutrients from the prior owner's pigeon shacks that were back there, the produce stopped looking so good. Apparently, there's more to gardening than just good intentions or uh, hard effort with a spade. Now, most of Jesus' hearers knew the ins and outs 
of gardening. They were farmers, a lot of them, if they weren't fishermen. They raised the food that they uh, subsisted on. They needed to know how to do it and not just play at it. So when he was using, using this gardening kind of analogy for understanding who he was in regard to God and in regard to us, it made sense to those early hearers. They, they got it. They understood what he was saying, and he understood more than what he was saying. He under, they understood the implications of it all. And, and I think we kind of get it too, um, but maybe just in the general, whether, whether we know to pinch off the suckers of the tomato branches at the right time of year, whether we know to do that or, or not, we generally, get, we generally get what Jesus is saying here in this analogy. At least the three main aspects of the analogy he uses in today's passage. Jesus is the vine. We get it. We are the branches. God is the vine dresser. The branches are, are nourished by the vine. Disconnected from the vine, what happens to the branches? They wither. They die. The vine dresser, what does he do? He attends to the branches to help them thrive, trimming and pruning, guiding the growth, producing the fruit. A pretty clear lesson about spiritual vitality, and the pathway to uh, abundant life, we could say. Stay connected to God through Jesus to live, to mature, to blossom. Separate off from yourself that which does not enhance that connection. Prune it away. Trim yourself. Listen to the Spirit's encouragement, passing forward the word of the vine dresser to you. Jesus is teaching this lesson as part of his farewell discourse in John. He's counseling his, his followers to abide in him, even though he won't be there much longer. And when he's gone, to abide in him. And in doing this, they will stay connected to God. In doing this, they will grow into the emerging kingdom. So let's think a little bit more about this. First, abiding in Christ. What does that mean to you, to abide in Christ? Staying connected to God through Christ. How do we stay connected? Well... We come on Sunday mornings to worship. That's a way we stay connected. We worship uh, corporately, and there's times we worship 
uh, individually on the golf course by hole number three, I understand is a very favorite place for some people to worship. Um, maybe there's other places. I'll leave that to you. But worship is one of the ways we stay connected to God. We stay connected to God through Christ, through study, through Bible study, through our religious resources, through our conversation with one another over those Bible studies and studies of, of books. Those are ways we keep open the connection with God. Prayer is the most important thing to me of, of staying connected to God, and I find scripted prayer as much as we Protestants really like just spontaneous prayer, I find other people's scripted prayer sometimes very helpful because they say things differently than I might. And so it, it kind of opens up different doors or windows for me. So I, I don't turn away from pre-written prayers. I, I like to have them be a part of my meditation. But I need just that rambling meditative time with God where my own thoughts are intersecting with God's um, spiritual imprint upon me. Prayer is key for abiding in God through Christ. And service is another. If you haven't been engaged in a service that really helps somebody out, um, you're missing out on something because in that activity of getting dirty and sweaty, you might actually find Jesus next to you you might actually find your connection to God coming alive in, in a tangible kind of a way. Now, the key thing to all of this is not hocus-pocus, is not um, super mysterious. What it is is learning how to be mindful to the spiritual presence in your life of the divine. It is there. It is there for the taking. And you just need to pay attention. You just need to find the methodologies, the practices that help you to pay attention attention, to be mindful of God so that your connection to God is vibrant. Things may arise that tear at that connection. You know, sometimes there are things that do that. Relationship trouble can tear at that connection. Employment setbacks can do that. Illnesses can do that, can tear at that connection to God. And you meeting that challenge or that circumstance have choice. Am I going to walk with God into this shadow of the valley, valley of the shadow? Am I going to walk with God into that? Or am I going to run? Am I going to stay connected and face into that wind, into that weather, 
of hardship or suffering or not. Because you can stay connected even in the worst of times and you will find as you do that a balm, a sustenance, perhaps even a redemption of that terrible moment or that really crummy circumstances. You might actually discover yourself being not only sustained, but kind of reborn into your next new stage of life. Staying connected to the vine provides you the vitality of the spirit pulsing into your life through that vine. Stay connected. Jesus says stay connected. Now, second, second main lesson I hear in this passage is that it's helpful for us to remove from our lives what is unnecessary to faithful life. Get rid of those thoughts. Do you have some thoughts that uh, belittle yourself? Do you have some thoughts that belittle others? Get rid of those thoughts. Get rid of those, those attitudes. You know who you are, those of you who have an attitude. Get rid of those attitudes. Get rid of those words. Get rid of some of those behaviors that get in the way of being the person God would have you be, that get in the way of your good connection to the power of life, that get in the way of your connection to God through Christ. So maybe, so maybe, uh, maybe it's self-centeredness. You know, you're feeling like it's all about you. Newsflash, it's not, it's not all about you. Get rid of that thought right off the bat. Maybe it's, maybe it's an arrogance. I'm better. I'm better than them. I was so arrogant in seminary, I didn't even know I was arrogant. <laughs> and I needed a world religion professor to take me and a couple of my buddies down some notches because uh, <laughs> we knew it all. We, we really did. We really did know it all. Um, Prejudice. Stay in your place. Everyone has a place at the table. And when we talk about everyone, 
we're not just thinking people that look and sound like you. We're thinking of everyone. Getting rid of thoughts and attitudes and words that get in the way of you reflecting the love of God, the spirit of grace, of justice, and of peace. Getting rid of whatever that might be. Maybe those three large categories don't apply to you and it's something else. Maybe, maybe somehow you've, you've given yourself over to something that's addictive and now as time has passed, you've started to realize that, that's, that the tail is wagging the dog with that and um, that kind of behavior needs to change. Maybe you found yourself ingratiating yourself into a community of people but doing it in a way that's demeaning of other people and, and you look at yourself and you're not very proud of yourself about that and when you're honest about that you know that that's not the Christ in you coming out as, as, as you prune yourself you know, Jesus talks about it being the vine dresser that's pruning you, and maybe it is really because God is putting those thoughts in you that hold yourself accountable to how you want yourself to be. Maybe that's a way to say it. But I really see it as being inspired by God. You're doing the work. You're being honest with yourself, and you're doing the work to help yourself step forward into your better self. And you do it with God's inspiration and you do it with God's power because sometimes it's really tough to do. As you are pruned, as you are trimming yourself, you will focus and have better intentionality about being connected to God through Christ because these things that are distractions, these things that are in the way that dissipate your spirit, that draw off, that's why you're supposed to pick off those suckers on the tomato branch because those little guys down there get in the way of the nutrients going for that branch to bear the fruit it's supposed to bear. These are like that. They dissipate the spirit. They get in the way of you doing what God intends you to do, bearing the fruit of the spirit. Busyness, just busyness that is not uplifting and producing good growth in you dissipates your spirit. Pause. Pause amid the busyness of your life and say, Am I just running around crazy? Are there some things that maybe I ought to just step back from? Because I really don't have time to have a good thought or a peaceful thought or to catch my breath or to sense that connection with God. I'm all afraid. I know some folk who like to relax, but they, they realize their relaxing is not really nourishing because their relaxing is really avoidance of things. You 
not engaging in work that needs to be done. Priorities. Are you setting priorities that lift up your priorities? Or do you have a, a list of things to do today, the priorities of your day, which if you were to kind of step back and turn your hat around and look at it again, you would say, wait a second, I don't really need to do these four things. They're just distractions. They're just energy spent in a rabbit hole. They're not fruitful producing priorities. And they get in the way of my real priorities. The people that time manage like to talk about urgent, important, things like that. Um, they parse the words to try to make them work. The key thing is that you really want to give your energy and your thought to that which is most important in your life and not have it be drained away by things that are secondary or tertiary in your lives. Setting priorities that really are your priorities is a key way of pruning and keeping connected to the Spirit. Well, anyway, so get rid of some of that junk. Prune some of those suckers that are in your life. Maybe, maybe some of them are childhood religious uh, superstitions that have kind of been hanging on that maybe it's good just to get rid of now so as a mature adult you can embrace the impact of your Lord and Savior. Maybe some of those are tribal mindsets of race or of nationality or of cultural background that get in the way of you being a brother or a sister to the person down the block that God wants you to be. Maybe some of them are emotional baggage that you've carried around since that happened 15 years ago or, or that end of the world experience happened uh, five years ago. But the world's lived on and you've carried that umbrage with you for five years and you've made your life miserable for five years and the person that hurt you is off zooming around, could care less about how you feel. But you're still carrying it. So you're still letting that person suck the joy and the life out of you. Maybe that's something to trim. And just to say, God, take that. Take that away. This pain, this sadness is not life-producing, not life-enhancing. Help me to just let it go. Prune it out of my life so I'm better connected to you. So, as you look into the manger this Christmas, uh, see the one, see the one that's there who will develop into your Lord and into your Savior. See the one in whom you are to abide so that you might have life and life abundant. Amen.